When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to this week's edition of Hockey Unfiltered with Ken Campbell. I am Dylan Waugh. I'm the sidekick. I am the Felix Unger to Ken's Oscar Madison. Today we've got a great show. We're going to be talking to Bobby Margarita, the original insider, the Bob father, Bob McKenzie. But before that, Ken and I are just going to talk about a few little news items. Get them out of the way. Check us out on Twitter at Hockey No Filter. And check us out on YouTube. Like, review, subscribe, and also Apple Podcasts. I won't let almost forgetting Apple Podcasts stop me from making a great intro. <laughs> oh, okay. It was that was great. It it was. It was it was really good. And it was only it was only take two. It was only so take that, two. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's great. Not bad. Not yeah. bad. And 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 Oscar Madison, Felix Unger. That was good. It's good because you're the writer. And I'm the guy doing the and the I'm nerdy also stuff. the slobby guy too, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and Felix the was the disheveled um, one. <laughs> Felix was uh, he was a photographer. Yes, right. And yeah. I've and I'm running the cameras. And well, good. Yeah. And you're making interesting charcuterie boards too here. That there is a butcher block, my friend. That is a that is not a, for cheese. That is for a uh, dead animal. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> we got Bob McKenzie coming up. We've got. How Bob do you like McKenzie that, Bob up. McKenzie? <laughs> I didn't believe me. I didn't believe you when you said you could get him. Why? Because most of what you say is bluster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he originally hired me at the hockey. I do know right? that he originally hired you. I remember at the, the day days. I walked in for, for my, uh, for my interview. I came from Sudbury. I was working at the p- paper there and yep. so he looks at my resume and he goes, yeah, looks like you're pretty busy. And, uh, Okay. He says, we, now we've got this little test that we give everybody. And so I drove like five hours to basically say hi and do this test. And then he offered me the job. So it was great. Best, uh, best thing that ever happened to me. I I was going to joke with him. I didn't really get the chance to say it, but, uh, he said, you know, 34 years ago, I hired you at the hockey writers and I was going to say the hockey news or the hockey news. Pardon me. The hockey writers is a blog, the hockey news. And I was going to say, um, I was going to say biggest mistake of your life because a mere 34 years later, he's going to be asking to join his podcast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's, there's the payback. There's the payback. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. No, Bob was, uh, Bob was great to have on and, uh, he, 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 he shared some insight. He did. He doled some wisdom. He absolutely did. He said some fancy learning. He was, he was, he was on his, he had his fastball. I thought. Oh yeah. Big time. I thought he had his fastball. Big time. Yep. So before we get into that interview, 
let's talk about Ristolainen because I, I want to write a cosmic wrong here that I have done. Okay. I was under the impression, and it's sampling bias and it's my own stupid fault, but because of Twitter and all the rest <laughs> of it, I was, I was under the impression that everyone knew that Ristolainen sucked. <laughs> and so I thought that he was actually, if anything, underrated at this point um, because everybody thought that he was so bad. And I'm like, right. well, he is still an NHL player. Right. He's just not. And so that's why I was, you know, beating the drum of saying he's a decent pickup. He's a decent little pickup that won't cost you much. Right. 5.1 million, Ken? Yeah. For, is it five years? Yep. 5.1 times five, I think. Or is it four? It might be four, but e- either way. It's a lot of money to pay for a guy that's never, has he ever looked good in his career? Um, like, has anybody ever watched him playing top line minutes and said, yeah, this is right. This is good. Yeah. No, probably not. Yeah. So tell me your initial thoughts on that contract. I, I was surprised. I was really surprised. Um I guess I'm trying to look at this from, from Philadelphia's vantage point. They've kind of lost their way in a, like a big, big way. And like, what are the Philadelphia flyers? What are they? What's their identity? Bad. Yeah. Other than that. Yeah. (laughs) So I I get that they're searching for a bit of an an identity. They want to be a little more difficult to play against. They want to be, you know, they want to have that bite on the blue line, which this guy brings all of that. He does. But to me, to me, those are the kinds of contracts. And, and I've said it before. It's not, it's not giving the $10 million to the stars that kills you. Yeah. These are the kinds of contracts that end up crippling you. Yeah. You know, uh, in terms of your ability to do anything, uh, to get out from under the, 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 the cap number. Right. Yeah. Like I look at a guy like, like right now, I mean, Jack Eichel might be Vegas's best player. Yeah. He's been really good. Yeah. He's been really, really good since he got there, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so to me, it's not the Jack Eichel. It's not the Mark Stone. It's not the Alex Pietrangelo. It's the Evgeny Dadinoff yeah. at 5 million. You know, yeah. that's that's the one that kills you. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, they would be, they would love to move that contract somewhere. Yeah. And and they might. They yeah. might. I, I could see a team like Arizona taking if Jenny Dadden off, off their hands and mm-hmm. and you know Vegas taking half the money or whatever, some of the money, and giving something up big for that. But yeah. that's what it takes. And and like so like to me it's it's those are the those are the contracts that end up just killing you a couple of years down the road. I mean, this to your point was Kapanen and Janssen, Andreas Janssen, were they bad players? Like when they played for the Leafs? Uh, no, they weren't terrible. They were they were yeah, fine. Yeah, they were yeah. fine middle yeah. six guys, right? Yeah, yeah. But all of a sudden you give them four and five million bucks. I think Kapanen was 4.5 or something like that. Yeah. All of a sudden you give them 4.5 million bucks and you've, you've now... You set a level of expectation that right. you might not be getting back from them. Look at Joel Armia this year on Montreal. Yeah. Like he's making Ugh. 3.5 million. Now, yeah. if he was still making whatever he's making last year, 1.5 or something like that, then you just go, well, whatever. Like life goes on. Yeah. But you're giving them big boy money and you expect them to play big boy hockey. Yeah, exactly. It's it's actually five times 5.1. I was right about that. Um, 
and and uh, Craig Button, who I know pretty well, and is a uh, you know obviously a former GM and and a, a, a man about town on on TSN. Yeah, he's known he, for his cold takes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he's always said to me. He said players don't change; expectations do. Interesting. And and that that to me is is what you get when you sign these contracts. The player doesn't change. Yeah. You know, Bobby Holik when he signed with the New York Rangers for all that money was still a third line centerman. Right. That's what he was. He wasn't instantly going to be. And I mean, you've used this, you've used this analogy a yeah, lot with goalies. With goalies. Yeah. Just because you sign a guy to a $10 million contract <laughs> doesn't mean he's a $10 million goalie. Yeah. And, and so uh, the player doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know if they're expecting Rasmus Ristolainen to all of a sudden become the second coming of whatever, <laughs> Chris yeah. Pronger or Chris whatever. Pronger, yeah. uh, Cause he's not. Yeah. He's not. He's going to be what he is. Yeah. And you could argue he's going to be worse as the contract moves along here. Yeah. Um, but they're looking for something. They want, they want some identity. They want someone to be the alpha male, I guess, when Claude Giroux moves along. I don't know. Yeah. But it, it was a head. That one was a head, a big head scratcher. They gave up. See, but. And then you get to where the GM's like, okay, we gave up Robert Hag, we gave up a first round pick, we gave up a second round pick for this guy. You know, we only had him for a year, and then if we let him go for nothing or we trade him for futures, how's that going to look? Yeah, yeah. Bob McKenzie brought up the idea of uh, of Ben Sherratt, not to give away too much, but just as a little teaser, and how he is a good addition to an already good team. Yeah, like you, you couldn't build around him, and that's how I've looked at Ristolainen through this. Yep. As if you've yep. got a good team, you know, much like when the Tampa Bay Lightning brought in David Savard for last year's Cup run. Devin, did you call him Devin? That's David. Oh, David. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, David. <laughs> yes. <laughs> much like, like uh-huh. Davy Savvy Boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. No, much like when Montreal brought in uh, David Savard, uh, Montreal. Tampa Bay. I was yep. on a good train of thought until you ruined it. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know, it's not that they were trying to build a defense around him. They were trying to complement an already good defense. Exactly. And that's what I expected with Ristolina. But at $5.1 million, that's that's a top pairing expectation. Absolutely. Right? It's not but, eight, yeah. but it's I mean, not yeah, nothing. What, what are they do? What are they gonna do? Like, I mean, Ivan Provorov has kind of cratered. Yeah. It's not a great they're not in a great spot. Yeah. They're not in a great yeah. So moving from one not great spot to another not great spot. Um Matthew's suspension. Did yep. you want to did you want to talk at all about that before we move on to Bob um, McKenzie? Well, to me, uh I th- I want to talk a little bit about Colorado too, but um yes, pardon me. Yes, pardon you. Um I uh, yeah, I mean they're under the subject heading anything else question mark, <laughs> which you could have filled out, but you know, whatever. We'll just leave it there as anything else question mark. <laughs> A little passive aggressive today, are we? <laughs> Listen, if you could just do that, that'd be great. <laughs> so don't touch my stapler. <laughs> okay, Dwight. Um, that's office space. Oh, office space, not the office. Not not the uh, office. Okay. That's office space okay, with well, um, Stephen unf- Root. Yeah, I'm unfam- I'm unfamiliar with that. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like this one employee. Let's got- not let's not go down a rabbit hole, D- Dylan. Let's let's. Stay on course, okay? I've Let's got the screenplay pulled up right here. <laughs> um, okay, so Austin Matthews, two-game suspension. Uh, totally deserved. Totally yep. deserved. Yep. 100% deserved. 
should have gotten like bare minimum two two games. Yep. What he did, dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. Yep. Those are the kind of cross checks that when you get them repeatedly over your career, it's really bad. It doesn't and, matter if it's a and, concussion. It yeah, matters that yeah. it's repeated trauma. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I, I thought he deserved at least a two-game suspension. I have no problem with him having a two-game suspension. I think you have to separate the two issues, the one that he doesn't get any calls mm-hmm. and this. And I, I think they're related because right. I think I think I think that was just the tipping point. Yeah. You know, he hits he hits Darlene with a with a pretty clean hit. Yeah. Darlene comes back, pushes him into the net, gives him a going over, and finally I'm I'm sure Austin Matthews is going like screw it. I'm not taking this anymore. You know, yeah. I just got pulled down by Jacob Tricker Tricker in an overtime with yeah. no call. I've yeah. drawn six penalties this year. You know, Radko Gudis has drawn like 21. What's that? Ovechkin. What? Got that hooking, it was Ovechkin hooked him in overtime. No, that was Zach Hyman against uh, against Edmonton. No, it was Jacob Chikrin against Arizona. They were tied 4-4. Jacob Chikrin, Chikrin held his stick and held him. Oh, that's right, And then right, Jacob yeah. Chikrin went in and scored the overtime goal. But Ovechkin also hooked him in another overtime no, a that, week you're ago. Th- no, you're thinking about Zach Hyman. That, ah, was in, right. that was against Edmonton on the empty net. Anyways... Uh, yeah, I don't think he did. No, the, he didn't. In fact, I'm sure it was Zach Hyman. Look okay. It up. Anyways, go, anyways, go ahead. anyways, um, I'm sure he finally just said, "I've had enough. This is it. I'm, I'm, I've got to make a statement." And you know what? I argued that this he's this suspension is going to cost him a hundred grand, hundred and sixteen thousand, mm-hmm. two games. It's definitely going to cost him any chance he would have ever had at the Lady Bing Trophy. Um, and uh, <laughs> and and no, but he no, he was he would have had a chance. No, but I'm just wondering if he if he cares. Yeah. No, he probably doesn't, <laughs> but he had 10, 12 penalty minutes. I mean, he was he would have been right there. Um, so it costs him all that, but I think it was it, it's probably a good investment in his career. Because as I said, as sure as the sun sets and rises, he's gonna start getting calls. I guarantee it. He's gonna start getting more penalty calls because that's the way the NHL works. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, like this, and this is the thing: is that um, I, I, I'm a firm believer in uh, that the no, no harm, no foul idea is the one of the most detrimental things to sports, yeah. and it makes people get away with stuff. It's just like I've never understood why one person drives drunk and they get a license suspension, but another person drives drunk and hits somebody and they're in jail. Yeah, at the end of the day, they made the same error. Yeah, they made the same error in judgment, and they mm-hmm. both drove drunk. And mm-hmm. it's just pure luck that somebody didn't die with this person, and somebody did die with that person, right? So, it, I think that these things need to be called. I always go back to the Paul Byron hit on Mackenzie Weger yeah. uh, two years ago. Byron left his feet. Small guys leave their feet a lot. Uh, you can you can pretty much take it to the bank that a guy that's played as long as he has in the National Hockey League, like Paul Byron, and never done anything like that it wasn't malicious with uh matthews maybe it wasn't directly aimed at the head i i, I, I'm, I, I'm, I don't, not, I don't, I'm not making that yeah, argument i'm yeah. just saying i'm just saying that even yeah. if it wasn't or whatever the case was you know your head if if somebody's stumbling your head's not like oh yeah. it's okay i'm not going to endure trauma because he was falling and didn't mean to hit right, me in the head right. and so at the end of the day the suspension needs to be yeah. placed and like i said with paul byron and like I'm about to say now, I just hope that it actually sets a bloody standard. Yeah. Oh, oh no, no. 
No, because the wheel Why of justice, the wheel of justice it? landed on two games. Yeah. That's what happened. The wheel of justice landed on two games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, see, I don't, I don't, and I don't buy the whole, it wasn't malicious. I wasn't trying to like, come on. Did you see the look on his face? He was pissed. <laughs> he was pissed. Yeah. And like, what else are you trying to accomplish when you take the shaft of your stick and drive it into someone's neck? Yeah. What are you trying to accomplish? Oh, I didn't, I didn't mean to hurt him. Oh, yeah. okay. So well, maybe he was trying to drive it into his shoulders or something like that. But at yeah. the end of the day, if yeah. you're responsible for uh, a high stick and yep. you're responsible for a trip, even if you touch the puck first, like it used mm-hmm. to be, if you touch the puck first, then there's no tripping. Yep. If you're responsible for, for your stick for a trip and you're responsible for your stick for a high stick, then whether you're on balance or off balance or whatever the situation is, yeah. if you're cross checking a guy and it goes into his neck, well, you have to live, you call. have to live with the consequences when right. things go sideways. Yeah. You know, you have to. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. So yeah, totally agree. Yep. Uh, Colorado Avalanche before we get to the Bob McKenzie interview. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, made a couple of interesting moves, Correct. moved up, moved out some money. Tyson Jost was at 2 million and I think Nico Sturm's at seven fifty. Yeah. So they've cleared up a 1.25 there. They brought in Josh Manson, which I think is a, is a really good move Yeah. because I think there's a little bit too much Jack Johnson and Curtis McDermott on that third <laughs> pairing. Yeah. And you don't want too much Jack Johnson and Curtis McDermott. Um, <laughs> And, yeah. and you definitely don't want it in the playoffs. So I, I like that move. Interesting to see what they're doing. You know, a lot of people aren't saying they're finished yet. You know, I, the, we're still, everybody's still circling back to Claude Giroux and, and how that, how he ends up somehow, uh, you know, ending up in, in Colorado, which, which, I mean, when you're clearing out that 1.25, you go, hmm, maybe there's something to do that. Do that one more time and then yeah, maybe yeah. one more time and, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I mean, they have no picks. They have no picks to give up. Um, they do have some some pretty decent young guys. You know, they've got, obviously, Justin Barron. They've got yeah. Shane Bowers. They've got... So they do have some chips to play. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah, and I mean, does Philadelphia want to pick? I mean, obviously, they yeah. want to pick, but I'm just saying, like, yeah. in terms of... Getting rid of Claude Giroux, would they be happy with a high-end blue-chip prospect, prospect? Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. especially with the idea that Philadelphia probably does not see themselves as being in this situation again next year. I don't know. They're not. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, you're <laughs> you're not wrong about that. Yeah. But but signing Ristolainen, going back to that um yeah. that contract, signing Ristolainen suggests that they think that they're building something around what they have, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, right? We talk about this all the time privately. Sports is an entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And and teams just biffing it that bad. Like, what yeah, could yeah. be more entertaining? And yes, I'll be more than happy to get dunked on if it turns into the best thing in the world and the guy wins the Norris next year and all the rest I think of you're it. okay. Yeah. I think you're okay there. I think I'm probably pretty safe, yeah. eh? Um, but yeah, in terms of Claude Giroux, if Claude Giroux does find his way to Colorado, which of course he's been rumored to Colorado for so long. And my thought is how do the nuts and bolts work? But now mm-hmm. it looks like Colorado's making some of the nuts and bolts. Yeah, work. They're not done. They're not done. No, they're not like. done, but yep. this is closer than I thought that they'd get. Do you think that like Colorado just basically, you just hand him the cup? No, 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 no. And, and because I mean, Tampa's still there. Yeah. There's a lot of teams. Yeah. There's a lot of teams in the East and I, I, I don't know how you get through the East, but whoever <laughs> does end up getting through, 
You know, I, I no, I don't think you hand them the cup yet. They've got to prove it. They've got to prove yeah. it. Nathan McKinnon's got to do it in the playoffs. They've got so, they've got something to prove. They've yeah. got something to prove. No, you don't. No. Fair enough. All right. Let's Fair get enough. to Bob. Let's get to Bob. Hello again, everybody. Well, it's not every day you get hockey royalty on your podcast and let's not, we don't have that, but we do have, <laughs> we do have the original TSN insider, the original TSN draft guru, the former editor in chief of the hockey news, the former beat writer for the St. Sioux Greyhounds and the, for the Sioux star. And now booze mogul, Bob McKenzie, Bob, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Hey, Kenny, how you doing? I'm doing okay. It was funny when Dylan was asking me, uh, you know, who, what media guys could you do you think you could get on the podcast? And I was like, I could probably get Bob McKenzie. So he got he got very excited, and I said, <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I could land him. You know, yeah, I'm pretty sure I could get this one. After all, he hired me like 34 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Dylan, D- Dylan's excitement maybe dissipated as we go through this show. You may no, be at the end good. of it saying, Wow, that's that was pretty bad. <laughs> I think we're good. I think we'll be okay. Anyways, Bob. So let's let's deal with the important stuff first. Um, uh, when I ran with you, the the few times that I did run with you, you were always a rum and coke, lots of ice, twist of lime guy. Rum and diet coke, lots of ice, yes. twist of lime guy. Uh, <laughs> apparently, that has that has changed in a big way. Uh, tell us a little bit about your venture and and uh, what you're doing with Bobby Margarita. Well, if if you were looking at the evolution of my drinking habits, um, you're right. Um, <clears throat> it was always uh, amber rum, diet coke, large glass, lots of ice, twist of lime, and um, and then I over over time I matured and I became <laughs> a red wine drinker, and I and I I do love my red wine, and I do still drink a lot of red wine. Um, but the, the the funny thing about the whole margarita thing is that, you know, I used to occasionally drink a margarita. I think the first time I had a margarita, I was probably in Dallas covering the stars um, at the beginning of their tenure there. And a bunch of us, as you, as you know, media people are want to do, we go out for dinner and drinks. Okay. And we went to a Mexican restaurant and had pictures of, the, of uh, margaritas. And that was probably the first time I ever had one. I go, oh, I, I, like, I kind of like that. But it was. <laughs> It wasn't something, you know, margarita is a fairly labor-intensive exercise. And even, you know, five or six years ago, I bought a margarita maker, a frozen concoction maker, and uh, stashed it away. It was during the playoffs I bought it. And then it came to the summertime, and I cracked it open at the cottage and said, let's fire this thing up. And I had to go online and figure out what's what exactly goes into a margarita. So <laughs> I find out that it's tequila, it's Cointreau or triple sec, it's lime juice. Um, it's sugar or simple syrup and you mix it all up. And, and I did that in this blender concoction maker thing. And, and that was and the Martha first, Stewart recipe, right? That, that was, was the Martha, Martha Stewart. Yeah. yeah, very yeah, basic yeah, yeah, Martha, yeah, yeah. Martha Stewart recipe <laughs> and did it. That one will land you in jail. That's <laughs> yeah. a good thing. It's a good thing. Exactly. It's Go a, been done wonders for her career. So yeah. she's, she's, she, she's best friends with Snoop Dogg now. So what can yeah. I say? <laughs> <laughs> a little hard time that doesn't hurt anybody, I guess. Exactly. Um, but it, but in any case, it, it you know so that was the genesis of Bobby Margarita because I videotaped the the blender going and me drinking a margarita and the, on vacation and changed my Twitter handle to instead of, <laughs> at, instead of Bob McKenzie, it said Bobby Margarita, and uh, 
you know, people got a kick out of it. And one thing, it snowballed. I leaned into it. They leaned into it. And then ultimately, my son Sean and I threw a, a, a guy by the name of Brock James that he knew from his days in London when Sean was going to school there, um, who works for the Ace Beverage Company now. Um, we, we came up with the opportunity to do a ready-to-drink margarita. So instead of all that trouble of getting the tequila, getting the Quantour triple sec, getting the squeezing the limes, getting the simple syrup or the sugar, mixing it all together and pouring it and everything else, we duplicated the taste nice. of the margarita that I like and put it in a can. And uh, it's been very exciting. And it, it launched in um, December in Alberta. Uh, Nova Scotia around Christmas. Um, we just recently went into Saskatchewan and New Brunswick. And I'm very excited being a mm. born and bred Torontonian, Ontarian, um, the LCBO. That's the, that was when we first got approval. Last Labor Day, we found out that uh, okay. the LCBO had approved the listing for Bobby Margarita. And it's now in the next number of days, if not weeks, and certainly by the end of the month, It'll be in 160 plus LCBOs in Ontario, and in April it'll go to many more than that. So it's nice. going to be widespread distribution, and uh, pretty excited. Uh, Bobby Margarita comes to Ontario. Yeah, I can imagine, and and it's funny how these things start, right, Bob? Like, I mean, oh, yeah. just the most innocuous thing that you did after a vacation. Then your son sort of goes, "Hey, Dad, uh, you know, I think maybe we can." probably capitalize on this a little bit. And it starts out as, yeah, let's sell some t-shirts for charity or something. And then it <laughs> becomes this, you know, like, so it's just, it's crazy the way things sort of get going in, in life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. It's um, it's a lot of fun and uh, it's been exciting and uh, it's been busy too, though. Like I, I'm, mm. I'm supposed to be semi-retired and suddenly I've, uh, <laughs> I've got this uh, fairly full plate uh, promoting and, and selling because, and Kenny, you know me pretty well. Um, I'm in this partnership with the Ace Beverage Group, and they are fantastic. They do they do Cottage Springs, they do Ace Hill. You know, the, the, in Ontario, they're I think number one in terms of producing ready to, to drink cocktails, and um, and they're just fantastic to work with. But I am not a silent partner. Um, <laughs> no, you know, my, my myself and Sean, we were involved every step of the way. So whether it was the color of the can, the can design the liquid that's in it. I mean, we did three separate tasting panels and probably uh, probably two, four, six, probably 15, 16 versions of the liquid before nice. we settled on exactly what we wanted. Um, because, you know what, if I'm going to put my name on it, um, I, some people, I guess, do licensing agreements. The famous person or somebody who's well-known has a profile might say to a booze company or a wine company yeah. or something. Yeah. Slap my name on that. Slap my name, and, yeah. 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 And, and away we go. And I can't do that because if it's got my name on it um, and it's part of me, it's, it's got to be exactly the way I would want it. So if you like it, then you can say, that's great. Um, if you don't like it, then you can say, well, that's okay because that's the way Bob wanted it to be. <laughs> and he also wanted it. And it's very important. He also was insisting that it not be carbonated. So that's correct, that was, that was your big, that was a big thing for you. And it's a big thing for a lot of people because carbonated yeah. beverages make you burp. Well, <laughs> aside from, aside from that, I, I drink lots of carbonated beverages. Um, but uh, a margarita by nature is not a carbonated beverage. Right. And, and the two, the two primary ready to drink 
margaritas that are on the in the market in the LCBO um, are both carbonated. And so it wasn't where I, we looked at it and said, oh, they're carbonated. We don't want to be carbonated. I was like, oh, I could, I guess I could drink a carbonated margarita, but for me, it's not really a margarita. It's yeah. more like, I think, trying to capitalize on the whole, you know, hard soda, seltzer, you know, vodka. There's like uh, about a million six vodka <laughs> sodas on the market right now. A million six. And, yeah. um, and so I just wanted to make sure that the margarita you get out of the can and Bobby margarita tastes very similar to the one I would mix up myself. Having said that, I mean, you know, when you mix up a margarita, the alcohol content's got to be up around 10, 15, 20%. Um, oh, yeah. By the time you put in, you know, you put in the tequila, you put in the Cointreau, um, you know, the, there's a lot of alcohol in a margarita. Um, so, and thankfully, the Ace Beverage Group were able to duplicate the taste of the margarita that I like and do it for 5% alcohol, same as a, a normal beer. Yeah, so it's like and, having a beer. And a, yeah. and, a, and a calorie content, that a calorie, caloric and sugar it's not off the charts because that was important to me too, because, sure. you know, if, if you got 30, 40 grams of sugar in this thing and it's, you know, 300 calories a, a pop, that's, you're going to have one of those, you're going to put it down. You you can have multiples of these. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of hockey fans that'll be interested in drinking this. So you don't want to like Bob McKenzie made me fat because I drank too many Bob, <laughs> Bobby margaritas. So anyways, and I, was I, I, I was, and I was fat before I started drinking margaritas, <laughs> by the way, just to point that out. Ah, uh, you're looking great, Bob. Um, so, uh, anyways, I, I wish it were available in Ontario right now, because if it were, I would have one right now and I would be day drinking right now as we speak. But Alas, it's not. So I'll have to wait until the end of the month to, to get my hands on one, but I'm looking forward to that. So let's get to the hockey stuff, guys. Uh, Dylan, you are going to ask the, uh, the hockey related <laughs> questions to Mr. McKenzie. So take it away. Well, Bob, I think I speak for everyone when I say it's a good thing that you don't have that much sugar in because that leads to a huge hangover. Speaking of huge hangovers, the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect segue. You have to win something to have a hangover. <laughs> they've got a they, they've got a hangover since '67. Sixties <laughs> yeah. was a crazy time, as we will probably be discussing later. Um, Dubis has been saying publicly that he's not searching for a Jake Muzzin replacement, um, but he also seems to be picking those words carefully. You know, I'm not searching. I'm not going out of my way. My question is. Do you think that his plans have changed with the continued losing? And uh, if so, who do you think he's targeting? And Bob, we'll start with you on that. Well, f well first off, Dylan, the first point I need to make is I always get billed as the hockey insider. Since I've retired, I'm <laughs> now officially the hockey outsider. Um, and so, honestly, I, I've not watched a lot of hockey this year. Um, but I'm working Trade Center at TSN on Monday. So, um, like the like the Ryerson student I used to be that never went to class, but still turned up for the final exam and passed it. Not necessarily with flying colors, but I bluffed my way through many exams where I didn't go to any of the classes. That's what I'm going to do this week and on nice. Monday. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to sit beside the smart kids in class, Darren Dreger, Pierre Lebrun, Chris Johnson, and cheat off their paper. So 
I will in advance give them all the credit in the world for a lot of the stuff that I'm stealing from them. I'm going to pass off as my own information here today. <laughs> That's okay. Um, That's okay. So now getting back to your question. Um, first off, it, it, Kyle Dubas isn't looking for a Jake Muzzin replacement. He's just looking for another defenseman. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, Muzzin, by the way, has been ramping up his skating um, every day. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's not eligible to return to the Leaf lineup until after Saturday. Um, But I don't think, as long as there's no setbacks the rest of this week, I think he's going to be back in the lineup sooner rather than later after Saturday. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people were upset because the Leafs didn't LTIR them and which would, which would have given them the flexibility to go out and add even more at the deadline and, you know, do what Tampa did with Kucherov last year, bring them back on the playoffs and say, here you go, ready to go. And we've yeah. added another piece. There's no salary cap in the playoffs. But I think in the case of Muzzin, he, he wasn't playing, he hasn't had a great year. Um, not as good as he's capable of playing and not as good as he played in the past. And I think the Leafs probably felt like we we owe it to this guy that if he, if he is healthy coming off the concussions, um, back-to-back concussions, to give him as much time as he needs in the regular season to get his game. To, it, I don't think it would be fair to him or the Leafs to pop him back into the lineup on the day first day of the playoffs right. and expect him to go in and be a shutdown defenseman for them, especially when he hasn't played as well this year as he has in the past. So I think the Leafs are hoping that the more he plays down the stretch, the more chance there is that he's going to elevate his game back to where it needs to be. But quite aside from that, they're looking at their blue line and they added, they added Leibushkin and I think they're really happy with him, but they, they really feel like they need another, another piece. And, you know, and it's gotta be, they, they don't need any more smallish puck movers. They don't need any more medium sized puck movers. They, they need somebody who can defend. They need somebody who can play with some bite it would be nice if it was six foot four, but I don't think yeah. they're hung up on size as much as they are competitiveness and ability to play against good players. Um, so the, the, one of the names that's out there a lot, and there's a lot of teams talking to San Jose about him is Jacob Middleton. And he, he mm-hmm. plays with a lot of bite and he's, he's really elevated his game. You know, he yep. was before when he first came into the league, he was sort <laughs> of a bubble guy. And if I, you know, a six number, uh, maybe he's going to be a six or seven for his whole career. But he's played some significant minutes in the top four for the San Jose Sharks. So there's multiple teams, including the Leafs, that are that are looking at him. So that's the type of player that they're after. And I think that's their priority, maybe more so than a than a goaltender. Well, what about Mark Giordano, Bob? I mean, he's another name that yep, I think is out absolutely. there. And he's, he seems to be the flavor of the week uh, anyways. And I, I did want to talk a little bit about Toronto's goaltending in light of what happened last night with uh, with Eric Schalgren. Yeah. Uh, stopped 35 shots. It didn't have a, like, it wasn't a high event game. I think in large part because he didn't make it a high event game. He was pretty good. He was very, uh, very fundamentally sound and, and all those things. And I got to thinking afterwards, I got to thinking, you know, like funny things happen. And we talked about it with Bobby Margarita. Funny things happen out of the most innocuous things, right? Like three years ago on January 7th, 2019, a 25-year-old Jordan Bennington won his first, got a shutout in his NHL, in his first NHL start, right? Nobody at that time, there's not a person on the planet at that time who thought, you know, 
this guy's going to go on some kind of heater and the blues who are in last place right now are going to go on even a bigger heater and go on and win the Stanley cup. Um, so I mean, why not? Why not give it a try? You know, I mean, no, obviously P- Peter Morazic is not the answer. It's it's, he just isn't. And, uh, I'll go back to what, what the people in Detroit used to call him and their management team used to call him Peter erratic. He is like that Jack Campbell. We don't know. I mean, if Jack Campbell would have had, like took his October, November and part of December and moved that to May, June and early part of July, the Leafs could win the Stanley cup, but we don't know that. I, to me, I think it's like, okay, so let's see what we have in this kid. I mean, 51 years ago, 51 years and two days ago, a 23 year old goalie by the name of Kent Dryden beat, beat Pittsburgh three, one or something like that. He stopped 34 shots. I don't think anybody thought any of that was going to happen. So, you know what? Why not? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know a lot about Chalgren. As they say, I'm the uh, semi-retired outsider now in, in that. But from what I understand, he's you know, he's got some pedigree in terms of what he did over in Europe and yeah. won a championship yeah. there. And 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 so, as you say, why not? And plus, I mean, right now it's any port storm, let's be honest. And that's yeah. not to say the Leafs aren't talking <laughs> to other teams about goaltenders. Um, they are. Because I think quite aside from the short-term concerns from now to the end of the regular season from now and then into the, into the playoffs, I think the Leafs are looking at it and saying, okay, well, we're, you know, what are we going to do in, in the next year, the year after the year after that? Um, maybe Joe Wall's the answer. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Shalgren's the answer. I don't know. But mm-hmm. um, you know, if there's a, if there's a goaltender deal to be made where, you're getting a goaltender who's under contract for the next, you know, three, four, five years, um, and you think that 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 person is worth it, then maybe that's more the kind of goalie deal the Leafs would be looking at. Very, very John Gibson. Needle. John Gibson yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, yeah. yeah his, I don't know why his name's starting out again. I'm 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 not on the the beat twenty four seven here. Yeah, but I've, anecdotally, on social media, seen a little bit. of, What about Gibson and? And and what have you? And and I don't think he's had the year. He's mm-hmm. not on. He's had a he's had a bad injury history, and but he's beat him. Like he's a very good goaltender. Right. Um, yeah. he, he's he. You know he's got a chance to to continue to be an elite goaltender. I think, but I don't think from what I've seen this year, or from what I've heard, he's not right on top of his game. But the, right. the point I'm trying to make is that. Short-term fixes in net that are available in the trade market now, the acquisition cost, the the, the goaltenders and who they are and, and what they've done. Goal, goalies, it's like a voodoo position. I oh, mean, God, outside, yeah. of, outside, outside of two or three guys in the National Hockey League, it's it's like a stock market. It's like a, the, it's up, it's down, and they're all over the place. It, you, you, if you're looking for consistency in, in net, it's really hard to find. Yeah. Um, and, and that, so anyways, um, I think to the other thing with, with the way Campbell's game went South post all-star, um, maybe it was just fatigue, you know, maybe he had redis, you know, he, he was one of the great stories, let's be honest in October, yep. November, December, really, really nice guy. And who was, who was expected to do so much in the NHL and did virtually nothing. And then all of a sudden, once the expectations were gone, he fashioned this incredible, um, scenario where he was perhaps a, a number one goalie in the NHL and and was full value for what he was doing prior to the All-Star break. 
And then since then, the wheels have fallen off. Maybe it was just fatigue. Maybe, yep. you know, or, or maybe he just doesn't have the staying power. I don't know. But this injury could be a blessing in disguise in terms of giving him the time to reset. Get mental sort reset, of rec- yeah. get, get a mental, mental yep. break, a physical yep. break, um, and kind of come back at it the other way. And if they can... If they can tread water with Shalgren and 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 Mrazek, um, and try and get a healthy Campbell in, it's it's conceivable that the deadline could go by on Monday and the Leafs don't make a deal for a goalie because right. I think it's it's a tough needle to thread. Yeah, and and I mean those you know the John Gibson deals. I I always call those like. Um, fantasy hockey deals. Mm-hmm. You know, you oh, got yeah. these you got these guys that are in fantasy leagues that are like. Yeah, well, just go out and get the guy. Like it's it's easy. Well, no, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's really really hard to make those trades. So, yeah. yeah. Well, let's move along to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, well, before we move along, I just wanted to say, Bob. Oh, um, you know, you you uh, you were the beat reporter for the Sioux Greyhounds, so you've got some connection to the Sioux Greyhounds. I'm a little concerned. Do you think that uh, Kyle Dubas will be calling you to strap on the pads and play net? <laughs> I don't think uh, so. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> he would make a very good power forward, though. Trust me on that. <laughs> Trust me on that. He's got oh, wicked shot, wicked shot, as I recall. Back coming day, down, yeah. coming down. You were right shot, Bob. Right shot. Yeah, you'd come down the you'd come down the 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 off wing when we yeah, played could, at Don Mills Arena on Tuesdays, and he could freaking wire it like in the really pan- wire in the, it in the pantheon of really crappy. Beer league hockey players, I could shoot a <laughs> And then there was the time Rand Simon high sticked him. <laughs> and you had, to go on, about that. you had to go Let's on TV that night. That. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I'm still not proud of what I did to poor Rand's finger, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I think player safety, player safety, I probably would have got about a six gamer on that one. Might have been an in person, might have been an in person hearing. Without doubt. <laughs> they wouldn't have done that for a star player. Let's be honest. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, let's move on to the Montreal Canadiens. And, and by the way, the statement, I'm not particularly proud of that, that basically typifies beer league hockey. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah. you got it right there in a nutshell. Um, the Montreal Canadiens, it has seemed all year like a foregone conclusion that Ben Sherratt's being traded for a first round pick from very early on this year, but now you've already mentioned some uh, options for a team looking for that style of defenseman. Do you think that teams are still going to be willing to pay that price come uh, trade deadline? Yeah, I think so. I think Sherrod is a guy that a lot of teams are interested in. There's multiple teams after him. So I've got to believe that somebody will probably ante up that. Um, Having said that, the point I would make on Montreal with, with Jeff Gordon and, and Kent Hughes there now, if, if you look in, you know, they've already been doing, even though they went to the Stanley cup final last year, they were, they were doing sort of a rebuild on the fly in Montreal. Um, so uh, um, Bergevin and, and when Trevor Timmons was the, the chief scout there, um, they were accruing just a ridiculous, in each of the last, what, two, three years at yeah. least. Yeah. They 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 were going in just locked and loaded with like 10, 11, 12 picks in, in the draft in, in each year's draft. You know, they were having in some of those years they had, you know, two and three and four second round picks. So the league, the the um the Canadians have uh have made a lot of draft picks. And I'm not saying they're not interested in first round picks, 
but I think they're starting to, I think Kent Hughes in the very short time that he's been there has identified, let's see if we can find some 20, 21, 22 year old guys who are on the verge of stepping into the lineup as NHL players. And so one of the rumors that we've seen out that's been out there everywhere was, you know, Calgary's interested in Ben Chirot. Um and, uh, you know, the name that's out there as a possible return that Montreal wants, but Calgary isn't prepared to give him up is Jacob Pelche. Yeah. And yeah. I can't, can't, I can't remember if Pelche was a first round pick. I seem to think if he wasn't the first, he was a second, but, um, and he's playing in, the, <clears throat> in their farm team right now, but, you know, I think that's the, the approach. Um, there's, there's another guy in, in Minnesota, um, Jack McBain, Andrew McBain's son, who's playing at Boston College right now. And he's potentially can call his own shot in terms of yeah. graduating, free, just, just graduate from Boston College this summer and become a, a free agent later in the summer. It looks like Minnesota will probably trade him. So I could I could see where a team like Montreal would want a guy get a guy like McBain. They would want to get a guy like Peltier, and um, and so a Sherratt deal doesn't necessarily have to include a first round pick if the prospect they're getting back is the equivalent of a first round pick and that much closer to playing in the NHL. Right. So mm-hmm. with Jack McBain, I guess the thing is is that um, you know you, you might be tempted to say, well, wh- why not just you know you've gone this far, go the distance. But then he, he he's not going to be playing this year. He won't be able to burn a year off his contract this year. He'd have to wait right. till next year in order to do that. Anyways, so, yeah. yeah. So I guess I guess that's kind of where you have to be thinking if you're if you're trying to get Jack McBain, you, you get him yeah. in, you get him in this year and 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 start things right away. Yeah, and you get to yeah. and and McBain from McBain's perspective, he still would be getting to call a shot because no one's going to yeah. trade for him unless they know right. he's going to sign right. with them. And right, so exactly. he just, he, excuse me, he just gets a, um, yeah. an early head start on free agents. Yeah. I don't get the, I don't get the, the, the high price for Ben Sherratt myself, Bob. I, I don't quite understand it. I was talking to Jim Nill last night, actually. And like, you know, they've had their, their sort of issues with John Klingberg. They're probably, they're almost certainly going to keep him unless, unless they get a, a deal that's like out of this world uh, and then try and re-sign him. He said that the whole trade um, request was a little bit overblown and that he still wants to stay in Dallas. So I, I would suspect they're going to hang on to him and see what they can do with him in the playoffs this year. But I mean, for goodness sake, if, if Ben, Ben Sherrod is getting what people are talking about, you know, I, I, I can only imagine what, if Klingberg ever went on the market, what, yeah. what you'd get for that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no know? doubt. No doubt. And then I think if Dallas were going to, was going to trade Klingberg, they would want to get a first round pick. A oh, prospect yeah. and the, probably the old three. Everybody had traded the three prongs, three, yeah. the, the, the yeah, three yeah. pieces. You know, yeah, first yeah, round yeah. pick, which sometimes becomes a second round pick. A, yeah. a, 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 you know, a high level prospect, which sometimes becomes a mid level prospect, <laughs> and then some sort of secondary piece, which is sometimes a lower level player, sometimes a, um, a lower level prospect, or mm-hmm. sometimes a lower level draft pick. But yeah, so so Klingberg would would fetch that kind of thing, but with um, um, the, the 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 star is being shorthanded and the, the yeah, mono yeah. forcing uh high skin and out of the lineup uh you're right about that but but in terms of Sherratt, i mean it's the deadline people overpay at the deadline 
And if you're getting a very specific need, and 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 what have we seen? And I, and I know people will pull out the analytics on on a player like Sherrod or say he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that <laughs> right, or right. and and that. But the reality That's is, me. yeah, there you go. Well, and <laughs> and and I and I hear all that, but every time you look at a Stanley Cup winner, they're loaded with six foot two, six foot three, six foot four, big strong defenseman who, you know, who can defend and can offer some physical play, you know, and whether it's the, you know, the St. Louis blues, basically every team that wins the cup, you look at the size of their blue line and you look at the the bite that they've got. And, and so there, you know, and, and let's be honest. I mean, if, if if a team like the Calgary Flames or somebody else who really wants Ben Sherratt, then they've got a they've got a niche for him on that team where they've already got the puck movers and the guys whose analytics are yeah. off the charts. So it, it gives you a dimension that you feel like you otherwise may be lacking. And if you want you're desperate to win the cup and win it now, then there are teams that will pay a premium for a player like that. I'm just not sure you don't get almost that much in a guy like Justin Braun for a lot less. You know? Yeah, some people would. Some people might make that argument, and, uh, yeah. and we'll see what <laughs> you we'll see. What, you wouldn't, I guess, but <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, you may be right. You may be right. Hey, McKenny, I told you I'm a hockey outsider. I've yeah, only yeah, watched. Yeah. I've only watched about a half a dozen games this season. You're selling yourself short. I know it, Bob. You're the. You're still the. You're still the man. Go ahead, Dylan. It's funny that you say that because I gave Ken the moniker hockey outsider. When uh, when we first started this podcast, yeah. but um, moving on, just uh, lastly about the Montreal Canadiens, it seems like almost every name on the team is in trade rumors right now, which almost seems crazy because so many of them have a lot of term left. Like you're hearing Jeff Petrie right now, which is like I'm not even sure that he started his next contract yet. So who do you think is actually likely to be moved for this trade deadline? And who do you think is more of an off season situation? Well, I, I think you're right to the extent, you know, Montreal is not in a position where they absolutely have to do anything um, other than, you know, other than the guys they might want to move that are, uh, that are on expiring contracts and, and Petrie still got some, some term, obviously, um, you know, and Petrie, you know, he, he would look favorably on a move and, and uh, Montreal would look favorably on on getting it done, but you know I think some of the teams that would want Petrie would want Montreal to retain salary, and they might not be too keen on doing that and and that. But you know if they get the right if they get the right deal, there's no doubt in my mind they'll they'll move Petrie. Um, outside of that, I mean, um, let's look at look at my list here for a second. Uh, you know we heard some Lekkonen trade rumors for a while, but I think. You know, as a younger, relatively younger player, um, and he's been really good lately. He's, he's been, been really, really good. good. He's been really good. Yeah. So, so unless they knock it out of the park there, um, in terms of the return they're going to get, there's no, there's no pressure to trade a guy like, uh, like Lacken. And 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 after that, I mean, there was I think a lot of trade talk or trade rumors on social media for guys like Hoffman and Dvorak and. And what have you? I, I'm I'm not convinced that those are deals that we could expect or reasonably think are going to happen by Monday. Yeah. Um, oh, the other guy would be that, that there'll be some demand for just again because 
every team wants defensemen and guys that can can play is is Kulak would be another guy mm. in, in in Montreal that some teams would be calling on. And again, you're not in a position where you're obliged to trade him, but you can if you want. Yeah, that's uh, Arturi Mike Bossy Lekkonen right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's been miscast his entire career, in my opinion. And and it looks like Marty St. Louis is at least willing to give him the opportunity to exploit his offensive game a little more. I, I just don't know if he has the set of hands. Maybe he's lost them. Maybe, it, you know, he's he's gone so long as a checker, he's lost his hands. But I, I don't know that he has the hands to be able to, to <laughs> finish uh, <laughs> plays. But, uh, but, I mean, he's got... He's certainly got the the ability to to create those opportunities. Yeah. Uh, whether he cashes in on them is another thing, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. He was shooting from a lot further out earlier in his career and getting a lot of goals that way. But there's been a joke on Habs Twitter, which is like a sign that goes, are you Arturi Lekkonen? It's got two boxes, yes and no. And there's a <laughs> bunch of X's around the yes box. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> The disgruntled right. fan bases are always the most funny fan bases, right? <laughs> yeah. It's why Leafs Twitter is always so fun as well. And Vancouver Twitter. Well, okay. That can just be evil at times. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, another disgruntled fan base. Nailed it. Edmonton Oilers. As of right now, the Edmonton Oilers are out of the playoffs by points percentage and holding on by a thread with raw points. Every year we hear rumors about McDavid and Dreisaitl and how they're going to be disgruntled or they're getting disgruntled. Do you think that the um, Oilers will be making a big splash at this deadline to prevent that? And if so, who? Well, I think it's hard to make a big splash for a lot of teams yeah. and especially the Edmonton Oilers. <clears throat> um, you know, salary cap situation is, is really tight there. Um, and I know the, the fan base has really been upset with their goaltending this year. Um, and, uh, you know, on the blue line, I, I don't think, uh, you know, mm -hmm. some of the guys, Barry hasn't had a great year, I don't think. And, uh, and, and Bouchard's been up and down and, yep. um, so, so there's a, a lot of, you know, a lot of discontent and understandably so, especially in those markets, whether it's Buffalo or whether it's Edmonton or they have just been so bad for so long. And the frustrating part now is that, that, you know, however many years ago it was that they got the second round and they, they finally won a first round series and they lost, I think to Anaheim in the second round that year. They did. They and, did in seven and, and in seven. Yeah. yeah. In seven. And everybody said, okay, that's it. They've turned the corner and from right. here on in, it's going to be a rocket ride. On, on the back of McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nurse and all these guys, it's going to be going to be fantastic. You know, cups galore and bring back the dynasty years. And in fact, what's happened is they've they've stopped and they've stuttered. And and I can't even imagine what would happen if they don't make the playoffs this year. Um, but because I I thought, in fairness, I thought some of the moves they made, I thought you know that yep. they. They, at the beginning of the year, you know what, that, that was good, getting Fogel, Warren Fogel yep. and, and trying to get some credible depth beyond the, the top five or six forwards, and it just hasn't panned out that way. And uh, and that. so in answer to your question, what do they do? Um, I, I think they're looking for some help on the blue line, but it's not at the high end by any stretch, and it's more 
on on the depth thing. So so I wonder about guys like Middleton, and I wonder about guys like Kulak, and you mentioned Justin Braun and and a bunch of other names like that. So so I'll be curious to see you know how they go about it. Um, there's not a lot of flexibility in terms of the cap, um, and so I know fans are unhappy and they desperately want something really positive to hang on to. But if the Oilers do something, and I say if they do something at the deadline, it's more likely, my sense of it, it's more likely to be a depth move. Yeah. And nobody's going nobody's gonna to get too overly excited about a depth move, especially when you're, as you, as you pointed out, points percentage-wise, they're not in a playoff spot right now. I, yeah, I mean, if if the Oilers are going to do anything bigger than what you're talking about, Bob, it's it's got to be money in, money out, right? It just it just has part, to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if you're moving money out, um, you're you're going to have to pay a premium for that. So it, it, they're not in a. I don't envy Ken Holland, and I certainly don't envy him if they don't make the playoffs because I don't know that. You know, I, I I'm a big Ken Holland supporter. I always have been. Um, but I'm not sure that he and Bob Nicholson survive if if uh, if the if the Oilers don't make the playoffs. That's purely speculation on my part, but I I think it would be tough to justify <laughs> to justify it. Yeah. So. Well, Kens are notoriously pack animals. They tend to stick together. And That's right. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. 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 And uh, you know, feast over the carcass of the Edmonton Oilers. <clears throat> If uh, if Edmonton doesn't make the playoffs, do you think um, we've reached a point where we would see McDavid or Dreisaitl or even a Darnell Nurse, but one of these guys finally, um, if not ask for a trade? Because I know that, that there's a technical definition behind ask for a trade, but maybe just say, hey, Ken, you know, uh, wouldn't be opposed to moving on. You got to be really careful how you answer a question like that because <laughs> yep. we used to call this getting radioed. I don't want to get. Uh, I don't want to get that. Yeah. Dylan, Dylan mentioned that yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to call the whole segment radioed. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. Bob McKenzie, welcome to the radioed segment. See, I, I don't take much credit for anything in my career, but coming up with the term "getting radioed" is mine. Like I invent, I invented yeah, yeah. because I used to do so much radio and I, I, and, and, and you, you do a radio thing and, and I learned a couple of things. Number one, sometimes it's just how it's presented. Some of the radio stations you would do the work with, they would take one little clip of what you right. said and, and then just put it on social media and nobody would even listen to the rest of the interview. There was all right. sorts of context before context, after they just heard that that's, that was the very purest definition of being radioed. But here's the other thing is, and then this is, people used to say, oh, Bob McKenzie never gives an opinion on anything. And there was a reason why I didn't give an opinion on a lot of things. Um, because the more opinions I gave, the more it was construed because I was quote unquote, the hockey insider yeah, yeah. and supposed to be the authoritative voice for what is going to be factual and true. And you can trust it. And, and that, if I just give my opinion, somebody will say, Bob McKenzie reported that. Right, right, right. Hmm. And, 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 and that actually, you know, that ha- happened on a number of occasions where I would give an opinion on something right. that obviously turned out to be wrong. 
Um, and people would say, well, he reported that so-and-so was getting traded to so-and-so. When I said, no, I, I think maybe a team like this could use a guy like that. And then people would think, so I got to be really careful because if I sit here and say to you, yeah, you know what? I think if the Oilers miss the playoffs, Connor McDavid's going to demand a trade for sure. Um, people are going to say, well, that. Okay. Isolate yeah. that, Dylan, <laughs> exactly. in the editing. <laughs> exactly. Damn, gotcha. Bob, Bob McKenzie just reported that Connor McDavid asked for a trade out of Edmonton. And, I know, can edit so, out the I think. That'll get us yeah. on the map. That'll get us on the map. <laughs> yeah. But um, I know where you live, Kenny, so be careful. <laughs> okay. um, but, but in any way, in any case, I would say to that type of question is, I have no idea what Connor McDavid's mindset is other than I can't even imagine. Uh, put it this way. If the Edmonton Oilers miss the playoffs this year and their fans are really, really, really upset, I'm going to say that Connor McDavid is 97 times more upset than, than, <laughs> yeah. than they than the fans are. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, and and whether whether there would ever be a point in time where he would say, you know, I've had it here. I'm not. I'm not going to speculate that. I have no right. idea. Right. I can't right. get inside Connor McDavid's mind other than to know that those guys, you know, they're two of the very best players in the National Hockey League. And obviously some people would say, and rightfully so, Connor McDavid is, is the best player in the world. Um, and now you're locked into this long-term deal in Edmonton. And you assumed, like everybody else, that when you lost to Anaheim in seven games a number of years ago, that you had the organization had turned the corner and it was let the good times roll. And then here you are, whatever it is, four or five years later, and you're not in the playoffs or you make the playoffs and you get bounced in the first round. Mm-hmm. You know, at point, at some point, something's got to give if they don't <laughs> take a step. And right. right now they haven't taken that step. Not to say they won't, but it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a pretty precarious situation, I would think. So, Bob, speaking of taking a step, you just proved that you have not lost a step because uh, I set you up for the radio segment and uh, you sidestepped that masterfully, <laughs> but still managed to give an interesting opinion on the uh, on the subject. Ken, is there anything else about the Edmonton Oilers you want to no, get I into before I, we... I'm a little Edmonton Oilers out these days. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Let's move on to the Tampa Bay Lightning. So we're moving on to the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is the last one, Bob, I promise. Well, before the last one. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) If the Florida Panthers, the Calgary Flames, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Carolina Hurricanes, and the Colorado Avalanche are essentially the true Stanley Cup contenders, only one of those teams has a first-round pick in this draft, and that is, of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning. How likely do you think it is that Tampa moves that first-round pick? And, of course, if so, who are they targeting to strengthen their team. I don't think they'll hesitate to trade their first round pick if they think they can make a deal that's going to make them better. Um, but the, uh, like some teams are tight to the cap. Uh, <laughs> the Tampa Bay lightning are basically on the cap. They're they, medically they have, sealed to the cap. <laughs> they, have, they don't even have cent. There's no, never mind dollars. There's no sense left there. So anything they do, it's dollar in dollar out. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it, you know, not, and, and so, you know, Julian Breezeball is going to be looking and seeing, is there any, uh, is there any option out there 
for a player who's better than someone we already have and that we could could lose that player off our roster and bring somebody else in. And so I don't anticipate it being a major yeah. acquisition if they do. Um, my colleagues, uh, Pierre and Dregs and CJ at TSN, I believe have, have mentioned along the line that, you know, camp is always looking for, you know, more depth on defense. And, um, but as I say, if, if you're getting more depth on defense, then you're losing a, a piece somewhere else, whether it's on defense or up front. Um, but I think the Jacob Middleton in San Jose in Tampa, I think has been one of the many teams identified mm. in talking to, to, to San Jose. And, and the funny thing about Middleton, you can look it up, Kenny, because you've got a computer in front of you, I'm sure. Um, I do. But, but Middleton, I, I think he, he makes less than a million dollars. I'm not mistaken. He's, he's, he's down there and I'll, I'll look it up. Seven fifty maybe. But um, you know, so again, that, you know, but even on the Tampa Bay Lightning, you, you still got to make a hard decision on where's that, where's that money coming from? What player do we delete yeah. if we add a player like that? Um, but I, I'm sure Julian Breeze was looking at all his options. Why wouldn't he? You know, to the opportunity to do something that's never been done uh, in the salary cap era, win three cups in a row, you know. Right, uh, right. The close, right. The, the closest I think we can come to that would be Chicago had three and five years, maybe three and five, yeah, yeah, three and five. Well, and and I always used to say that's a, I would qualify the Chicago Blackhawks as a modern day salary yeah. cap NHL dynasty. Sure, yeah, um, it's actually three and six, eleven, thirteen, fifteen, right? Okay. So yeah, three and six, yeah. but three and six, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and and they didn't even they didn't even back to back it and. And maybe Tampa already qualifies in the salary cap era of the NHL to to win back to back cups. Pittsburgh would be yep. the other. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they already qualify two years back to back. But imagine if they can get three. Yeah, you know, yeah. That, yeah. That, that that would be that that's unprecedented in the salary cap. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, Jacob Middleton is at seven twenty-five. Uh, last year of his deal, he's an RFA with arbitration rights. Uh, interestingly enough, right, so, although he's got so, he's got the he's got the interesting one. Um, there, he, he could be a potential group six free could agent. He? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. If he if if he plays every game the rest of the year, um, he won't be a group six. But if okay. by any chance he were to uh, to not be in the lineup or whatever. Okay. Uh, uh, he could be, a, he could fall into the group six category. But the thing with Jacob Middleton, if you do like, uh, assuming you'd get him and you, you, he, he stays as a, as a RFA with arbitration rights, that's effectively yep. a guy that's under contract yep. for another year um, at least. Right. Absolutely. Cause yeah. Cause you're, you're either going to take him to arbitration. He's going to take you to arbitration or you're going to come up with a deal at, that that's somehow you're going to figure it out. Right. So right. that, that might actually drive the price up a little bit, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, you yeah. know, there's, if you've got, if you've got a low cost and cost certainty, and I'd say low cost now, because in the short term, he's only making seven twenty five, and he's obviously due for a, a significant raise based on the number of minutes that he's played and the profile that he's created for himself in, in San Jose. But again, he's, he's not going to break the bank. No. Um, as an RFA, um, that cost certainty is is worth a lot. And yeah. and again, a niche defenseman, a guy that plays really hard, plays an in-your-face game. I, you know, I mean, last year and well, 
in the last couple of years, they've had that third line, of course, right? Um, now that third line consists of Pat Maroon, uh, Bellamar, and Corey Perry. Mm -hmm. and, and that's okay. That's mm -hmm. okay. But it's yeah. not Blake Coleman, yeah. Yanni Gord, and, yeah. and um, uh, Blake Coleman, Yanni Gord, and Barkley Goodrow. It's not that. Uh, but then again, maybe those guys aren't that either anymore. You know what I mean? So, right. um, I mean, they've all had actually pretty decent years and they're all producing sort of where they produced last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wonder about that third line, whether they want to make an upgrade there. But again, as you say, Bob, I, I think with a team like Tampa, it's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to go with what we have. We're pretty confident in our abilities. I don't think Tampa, I think Tampa's playing at about 80 to 85% right now. Yeah. I really do. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm wondering if you don't just say, okay, guys, let's, let's just, let's just go with what you have and see, see if we can, see if we can pull this off again. Yeah. And, and plus the other thing that, that division is insane. Like it's, mm. when you look at how yeah. good the Florida Panthers are this year, up until recently, how well the Toronto Maple Leafs have played. You know, Boston at various times. Boston's had a funny year where at times they've been really bad and at times they've been really good. Yep. But they're still they're still a team that, you know, can really mess around with you in the first round really of the can. playoffs. Yep. Um and and you know, in in whichever one of those teams, um, along with Tampa, finishes fourth in division, they get a wild card. What what are they looking at? You're you're either looking at the top team in the the, the yeah. conference or or you're gonna get like the Carolina Hurricane. You know, and, <laughs> yeah, 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 and 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 so so the route for Florida, Tampa, Toronto, and Boston to get never mind to the Cup final to get to the Conference final, it's it's hard. That's that's tough sledding, and yeah. uh, and that's where you you know that that might spur you on to try and do everything you could at the deadline, but it might also make you say, you know what, we, we got to go through Murderer's Row just to get out of the second round. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be, you know, a little bit careful about how much of my future I give up because if we've learned anything about this game of hockey, it's incredibly random and, and luck plays yeah. an incredible, especially when you're talking about teams that are over the course of 82 games or as close together as those teams are. Yeah. yeah. Why blow your brains out if, you know, I mean, Toronto blows their brains out and it's like, Oh, great. We get to play the lightning in the first round. Yay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that worked out well. <laughs> so anyway, you, you were making fun of uh, us nerds saying stuff like regressing to the mean. I mean, maybe uh, Toronto getting beat by Montreal last year. And then, you know, the regression to the mean would be <laughs> beating Tampa this year. Might be, might be. Yeah. yeah. It uh, all works we, out to them being a mid, mid, mid tier team. It does. Let's get to the, uh, we have a, one or two listener questions, Bob, if that's okay. Sure. Okay. We absolutely do. And I will credit this guy in a little bit, but what is your favorite or funniest trade deadline story behind the scenes craziness? Wow. That's a, that's a good question. The time Aaron Ward said, uh, again, led to Boston. Yeah, this is from that. Scott at uh, Vibe3Z Hockey on Twitter. I used to coach him. He's a, he's a kid I used to coach. Actually? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's one of my son's friends. <laughs> I, I, none of the kids so that I coach 
know what I know that I podcast. <laughs> are you suggesting that the only people who listen to this podcast are people with two coats? I'm I'm not even sure that there's that many. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to waste your time, Bob. <laughs> Sorry, Bob, um, this isn't exactly the career-making opportunity we presented it as when you joined us. That's uh, okay. I don't need a career. Um, trust me. Um, hmm. You know, there's so many on deadline day. Um, trying to think. One of my favorite ones was, um, and this was back very early. This was before deadline took on a life of its own in terms of the network coverage and what have you. So this would have been the old days. Jim Van Horn was still working at TSN. Oh, geez. Yeah. And we didn't go on the air until after the trade deadline was over, I think. But we were doing, (laughs) Jim Van Horn was doing like updates every 15 minutes or 30 minutes into canned programming on TSN. So it would be like, bowling or darts <laughs> or all the stuff that TSN used to run during the day back in the day. So it was getting closer to the deadline and physically there, Jim Van Horn had, there was a studio where you could think, but it was also one of those ones where the newsroom was the studio and there were different spots in the newsroom where Jim Van Horn could stand. And there was a staircase that went up and he'd right by the staircase, he'd stand there. And I had a little cubicle or, Carol or whatever they call those office yeah, units. Yeah. And I was I was sitting there and I was just off camera and Jim Van Horn was literally five or six feet away from me. And I was on the phone talking to somebody and I was getting information on a trade. And the trade was Vincent Domfus being traded from the San, from the from the Montreal Canadians to the San Jose Sharks. Oh, San Jose. And that. So um I'm pretty sure that was it. But anyways, um, I heard them counting. The, the, the floor director was counting down Jim Van Horn, and he had the latest trade or two that had happened over the course of the day. And so they're, they're going 10, 9, and I've, I've got the information, and I'm leaning, <laughs> or, I'm leaning out. And I always I always like to say this was, this was the fastest of a trade ever. Um, because I just got the information from one of the teams involved and hung up the phone and I leaned out and I said to Jim Van Horn, Vincent Domfus, Montreal to San Jose, go with it. And they're, they're literally going four, three. And he looks at me, he goes, go with it. I said, go with it. And so, <laughs> he, so he comes up and he goes, and it's uh, some trades to report here. Um, don't have a lot of details right now, but Montreal Canadiens have traded Vincent Donfus and the San Jose Sharks and then went into his prepared script of listing off the other trades that happened. So I was sitting there and all of a sudden my phone rang and this is probably pre-cell phone, I'm going to guess. 1999, um, 1999 it was. Is that what it, it was? Yeah. It would have yeah. been, been March 23rd, 1999, yeah. Probably pre-cell phone for me, or maybe it, maybe I had a cell phone, I can't remember, maybe it was a hard line, but any, in any case, phone rings, I pick it up, and the person who had given me the information said, hey, because uh, keep in mind, the person called me back like 60 seconds later and said, hey, um, don't put that out there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. And I, I said, 
Ooh, ooh. That's, I said, yeah, uh, that's tough. I said, a little late. I said, the train just left the station. I told him what happened. He goes, okay, uh, fine, thanks. Thanks for the heads up. Hang it up. That was it. So anyways, uh, the fallout from that one was huge because here's, now here's what happened. The Montreal Canadiens were flying from Montreal to Edmonton. They had a game in Edmonton, and they were flying across country. <laughs> and as it was coming up to the deadline, one of the French language reporters who was on the Montreal Canadian Charter back in the days, reporters traveled on the plane with the team. Yep. Yep. Um, remember the old, you're probably old enough, Kenny, you're great enough to remember this. If you wanted <laughs> to make am. a phone call from a plane, you could pull out this thing. It was like oh. a sat phone. It was, yeah. like the, it was like the biggest phone you've ever seen in your life. And, and, it costs about you a run your, dollars. You run your, yeah, you, you run, run your, your credit card you through your, it. And, yeah, you yeah, run yeah. your credit card through it. And it oh, was yeah. like seven bucks a minute on those things. This is <laughs> wild. It was like, it was insane. And anyways, this French language reporter called back to his newsroom to see if there was any news or whatever. And they said, oh, Bob McKenzie of TSN just reported Vincent Domfus has been traded to the San Jose Sharks. Well, all hell broke loose on the plane because he spread like it spread like wildfire. And uh, there's Vincent <laughs> Domfu sitting up there in in, in the, the the player section of the plane, and 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 it caused a, a big disturbance because I I can always remember Gord Miller was working with me that day, um, and uh, I can always remember Donald Beauchamp who worked for the uh, the, the Canadians at the time in, in media, he called up Gord and he said, Gord, he says, this is, this is very bad. This is very bad. This crazy <laughs> very, <thing>. bad. <laughs> very bad. Mr. Corey, Mr. Corey is not happy. Ron Corey, of course, is the president. Of the Mr. Corey is not happy. He's not happy at all. And there's going to be repercussions for you doing this. And, uh, and we were like, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> it's trade deadline day. Too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so poor, poor Vincent Domfus, you know, I do feel bad for him is he's, He's sitting on the plane. The the Canadians all get off the plane. They tell him that he's been traded, and they turn around and they they I, he had to go back to Montreal for something. So they they basically turned the plane around and he flew. They deadheaded the whole plane back with Vincent oh, on it to Montreal. <laughs> but I always used to joke that was the, that was like from my from my ear to my mouth to Jim Van Horn everything it all happened in a, in the space of about 45 seconds so That's that was funny the, that, that was the most lightning quick trade break ever that and, was uh, march yeah that was march 23rd 1999 traded to san jose for a fifth round pick which turned out to be the incomparable mark andre thinel and a second round pick in 2000 i don't know who they picked with that guy but yeah so there you go that that's a good one incomparable to who <laughs> to whom? <laughs> to yeah, yeah. That, pardon yeah, anyways, me, pardon yeah. me. Yes. Yeah. So we're over time, Calisapres, and yeah. uh, do you want to do our last thing, which is the uh, very Rolling last thing? Stones? Yeah, the very the very last thing, the pop culture one. Yeah, yes. very quickly. Okay, Bob. We always do this with people who come on the show. You're the third one who's come on, so we we do this all the time. Uh, I don't know if you saw that Rolling Stone uh, recently had a a, a poll of its readers. For the best lead singer in uh, in rock and roll history, uh, ten was Kurt Cobain, nine was Chris Cornell, eight was John Lennon, seven was Eddie Vedder, six was Roger Daltrey, five was Jim Morrison, four was Mick Jagger, three was Bono, two was Freddie Mercury, and one was Robert Plant. Your reaction to that? <laughs> um, 
I, when you were counting them down, I was waiting to see if Robert Plant was going to be number one. Yeah. Um, I, I, for pure rock and roll, um, yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with that. And yeah. um, that was also, I'll pick Robert Plant because the very first concert I ever went to was Led Zeppelin at Maple Leaf Gardens. Ah, okay. And I was in, uh, it was the summer between grade nine and grade 10. It would have been September 4th or September 5th uh, at Maple Leaf Gardens. Nice. Um, me and my buddy Ron Walker were sitting outside my house in Scarborough and uh, we were having a Lola. I don't know if anybody knows what a Lola is, but it was a big pyramid shaped snow cone that's in a pre in a thing. It's like a big. <laughs> Look it up, you kids. Look it up, and we were sitting <laughs> yeah, having, yeah. having a low. We we're sitting there eating. Okay, wait a ice. second, Bob. Did you pour a little bit of? No, did you just, sweeten it I, up a little bit with some alcohol? That might have been no, the first I, margarita. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think I was well. It was the summer of uh, so seventy one, so I would have been what fifteen years old. No, not yeah. quite there yet. Not but in any case, in, in any case. Um, it was like four or five o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. I think it was a Saturday. And, uh, and, uh, what do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What do you want to do? And he brought, Ron Walker said to me, uh, you want to, uh, I hear Led Zeppelin's playing at Maple Leaf Gardens. Maybe we should go down. And we're like, yeah, okay. So we asked our parents, can we take the bus and subway down to Maple Leaf Gardens? So we went down and we walked up like five minutes before the show began and very naive. <laughs> and we walked up to the box office and said, do you have any tickets? And they said, yeah, we've got obstructed seat in the first row of the greens. I made Park gardens, $4 and 50 cents. I was going to so say right. four bucks. Yeah. <laughs> $4 and 50 cents. We're in. So we went in and uh, saw Led Zeppelin as my first concert. Nice. Nice. <laughs> That's good. That's a good yarn. Yeah. You, I know you had a hot take on this, Dylan. So go ahead. My hot take is uh, the guy that's really missing from this list. So first of all, Jim Morrison, I love the doors. I love Jim Morrison, but he's got to be people put attributes to him that just should not exist. He's yeah, the American poet because. Yeah. Oh, he's just, you don't disagree. No, I, I don't disagree. You can put uh, okay. him lower on the list. Yeah. Okay. I don't think he's that great of a singer. He was a great front man. He was a great, whatever, but I don't think that he was that great of a lyricist. I'm sorry, but ride the snake, ride the snake. The snake is long. Seven miles <laughs> is not the work of Edgar Allan Poe. How about we put it that way? Anyways, the person that I would put on this list that is not on this list would be uh, David Wilcox. Interesting choice. I used to see David Wilcox a lot when I was in university because he was doing the university tours then Think and, he still is. <laughs> yeah, he still, probably still is. But he would be he would be just out and out just shit canned by the end of the concert. <laughs> like he'd be drunk. He'd just be stumbling around the stage, but he was brilliant. Yeah. Okay, you're both wrong with this. It's Annie Lennox, period. <laughs> and I'm not taking any questions on this. Um <laughs> Somebody somebody said on Twitter when this list came out, they said, boy, this seems like a rather exclusive list. And I, I don't know why I can't seem to put my penis on it, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, it's Annie Lennox for me. Janis Joplin not being on the list is also just a, a But I don't think she was a front. She was on a front front person for any group. So yeah. Okay. Anyways, fair enough. Anyways, we're wasting Bob's time here. Let's uh, let's wrap this up. Bob, thank you so much for being on. Um, 
last words. Remind us again when Bobby Margaritas are coming out in the LCBO. Uh, yeah, it's uh, any any day now. Um, but certainly nice. by before the end of the month, it should be in uh, about 160 LCBOs. And once we get into April, it'll be even more than that. So right. yeah, go give give it a try. If you like it, great. If you don't, too bad. And my last question <laughs> about uh, about the uh, margaritas going into the LCBO was this part of one of um, Doug Ford's many promises to try to get himself reelected? Was putting Bobby Margarita <laughs> into the LCBO? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, Bob, uh, listen, I appreciate you taking the time. We took up a lot of your time and um, I appreciate everything you've always done for me. And I appreciate you doing this too. Awesome. Thanks for having me on guys. Take care. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. Take care.